0: Mets Spring Training Report. Hi, the Mets today, another tie. A lot of ties going around this spring training. It's the third time the the Mets have tied, but uh, they tie against the Baltimore Orioles 4-4. Jacob DeGrom, though, really the story today, he was phenomenal. Five innings, no runs, one hit, no walks, eight strikeouts. That is Big time. Even if it is spring training, uh, that's uh, that's pretty nice to be able to fall back on. And he and Degrom, uh, excuse me, he and Cindergard have both looked absolutely phenomenal. Really, the only thing that pitching wise has gone you know wrong for the Mets was you know Degrom's delay with the back stiffness and the fact that he can't pitch on opening day, but he's expected to be ready to go, uh, perhaps as soon as that second game, but at the very least that weekend and. For Cindergaard, now he gets the opportunity to start a second straight opening day, and Thor opened up about that uh, earlier today.
1: As you can see, I slept in my (laughs) uniform, so I'm just super jacked for it. Uh, It's just a great feeling, second year, starting opening day. It's just coming up the gates hot. You know, Jake had a tremendous year last year. He was the one that. He is the, the backbone of our pitching staff. Kudos to him for 200-plus innings, the 240-something strikeouts, so that's incredible. He definitely deserved it, but unfortunately he was just sidelined a little bit, delayed in his program. Um, so, But he's, he's healthy now, and I'm excited to see that, and he could be a, a great one-two punch in baseball. And honestly, to me, it's just uh, another game. It's just kind of... the. I think that kind of benefits me to so just go out there and pretend it's another game. I feel like we just put it on this pedestal. And it's, I mean, the hype just gets a little overwhelming. So, I, just, yeah, just, I mean, same thing with playoff games, wildcard games. It's just uh, another game of baseball. You just kind of got to put that to the side and go out there and have fun with it
0: a little mixed message from Syndergaard that he jacked up for opening day and then also it's just another game and and Syndergaard seems to be a guy he likes those big moments he likes the big crowd he's always pitched well in those spots and I I think that you know, he feeds on that adrenaline and wants to, you know, throw the ball 105 miles per hour. And, uh, that typically is something that, that seems to work for him, at least uh, when you look at the results in, in big games for him over the years. But, uh, we welcome on right now from Port St. Lucie from the record. It is, uh, Matt E. Halt and, uh, Matt, great to have you on. How you been?
2: Thanks, Pete, for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing well.
0: Good, good. Yeah, everything's good over here. So, uh, let, let's get into, uh, and as we can get into the pitching staff a little bit after that. But, you know, this right wrist, how, how concerning is it for the Mets at this time after he had a, a cortisone injection for a, a, a sore wrist yesterday?
2: So I don't think it's that concerning in the short term, but in the long term, I'd be concerned because once, a guy has kind of a wrist thing, and he has to get a cortisone shot. That's usually not a good uh, thing for the rest of the season. So in, in the moment, we'll he be back soon, certainly, but it's something now you have to keep an eye on going forward.
0: And the fact that he homered while he was suffering with this, does that mean that it is something he could still play effectively through this, you would hope?
2: Well, I mean, at the moment, yeah. But the the question is, I mean, you know, does it get worse? Does it linger? I mean, there's obviously a lot of factors involved here. You know, at the moment, it, it, it's all systems go, but obviously things can change. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how this affects
0: them. How about the way it played out? The Mets have, you know, tried to be more transparent with the injury updates, uh, the emails that go out, uh, you know, every single day to the the beat reporters. What... What do you think about the way this one played out where it did feel a little bit more like last year where, all right, he initially heard it a week before, then he's playing in some games, and then finally ends up getting an x-ray on that wrist?
2: Yeah, I I, I think they could have handled this one better. I mean, um, they talked about wanting to be upfront on these things, avoid them. You know, he played through it Sunday, then he comes in Tuesday. I mean, the question, and this goes back to last year, is kind of the test, but it's called the shot. And, you know, you remember last year when he came back from Atlanta, there was the whole issue of, is he going to, you know, he he essentially said, well, I'm going to play kind of, or he insinuated he's going to play when he wants to play. So that's going to be the thing is can the Mets basically tell him, hey, this is when we want you to play. Uh, Again, until this becomes an issue down the line for now, it just is what it
0: is. Have you noticed Callaway try to, Rein in uh, Cespedes to to whatever degree. Hasn't we know Cespedes gave up golf, so you know that's a plus, uh, I guess, for the Mets if they were worried about that. At least optically, which is something Sandy Alderson has said in the past. But have you noticed Mickey handle uh, certain players any any differently than maybe we've seen in the past?
2: Uh, you know, obviously he sent the message to Dom Smith with the benching. But mm-hmm. the, the the thing with all this is, you know, it's hard to tell until we see something happen. You know, do they? Does Cespedes play a game that he shouldn't? Do the Mets go in a tailspin? Well, how does he react then? I mean, you know, he, he did a good thing, obviously, with how he handled the Dom Smith situation, but it's hard to tell until we see something down the line where it's like, all right, let's see how he handles this.
0: And we're talking again with Matt E. Halt, uh, beat reporter covering the Mets for the record. And, uh, for the Mets here, you know, pitching wise, a scare today with Jason Vargas. Uh, the x rays are negative, so that's a positive. Is this just, uh, you know, a bump in the road for Vargas and, and he should be, you know, good to go in a couple of weeks or still, you know, some things to be sorted uh, out?
2: Oh, we don't know yet. We just know that the x rays are negative. Okay. That's all that they told us. We'll have to wait, uh, to see. Uh, you know, we, uh, we didn't, None of us saw it because we had left by then. Uh, but you know, we'll get a chance to talk to him tomorrow and see.
0: All right, and otherwise, Jacob Degrom dominant today, uh, able to strike out eight in five scoreless innings. Uh, yesterday, Matt Harvey struck out eight in five innings. He gave up three runs. Cindergard's been dominant. Uh, how you know the Mets start to get excited about, at the very least, what Cindergard and and Degrom are capable of at the top of this rotation? Are they able to start to dream a little bit and, and get comfortable as we get a little closer to opening day?
2: Well, spring training, that's the time to dream if you're going to. Uh, Let's see Harvey, Matt, Wheeler, these guys uh, pitch against some real lineups, and then we can kind of see, uh, you know, spring training results are meant to be taken with a grain of salt here. So until we see these guys going out there, you know, like, you know, yesterday, hey, Harvey struck out eight guys. He also gave up three runs to a bunch of backups from the worst roster in baseball. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can look at them either way. Until these guys get out there and really perform, it's hard to make of it. Now, does Harvey look better than he was last year? Yes. The bar was so low, it's impossible almost to not be better. But does he look better? Yes. Obviously, we'll see with Matt and Wheeler. I, I do think the, the rotation, I, I don't think, can be any worse than it was last year. It should be better with DeGrom and Syndergaard. The question is just going to be, do they get that third guy to provide consistency?
0: What's the top concern that, that you've seen that's been raised over the course of the spring for the Mets?
2: Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, Cespedes is already dealing with two minor injuries. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's never a good thing, especially off the stuff that he had. And you know, the lineup again, take it what you will. Uh, spring training results—they're mm-hmm. not crushing the ball down here. It, it's a lot of older guys, and, and granted, that's why I say it. you know, that's aren't having those ten-run outbursts or something. They're facing some of these you know, backup AAA guys, and they're not hitting them. So, again, now, I might look silly the first week of the season when they score 75 runs. So, again, I, I don't know what to make of it, but they have lost, like, like their record at the moment in spring training is 5-15-3. Now, spring training records does not mean anything, but it's a little surprising. I mean, again, they haven't won in 10 games. Like, you would think at some point they would just lot of W here
0: yeah at some point um yeah how about adrian gonzalez because he's a guy that i have a tough time with he probably has had a meaningful spring training at bat since he was 20 years old and now you know we're we're judging because we want to know does he is he the guy he was a few years ago or is he what he was last year where the back injuries crippled him and you know he hit three home runs in well over 200 plate appearances uh, how, how do you view Gonzalez when you're, you know, getting to see the games in person? Uh, and is it fair to, you know, look at the stat line or what he's doing in spring training and say, ah, he's washed up, he's not going to be able to handle first?
2: So I would give him about a month of at-bats in the season. I, th- I actually talked to Sandy Alderson about that for a story in today's record. Basically, said, how do you view your space Because Dom's not playing and Adrian's not hitting well. And he says he thinks they have first base well covered. I understand all the Mets fans' frustrations with with Gonzalez, that he's here. They prefer other guys. Give him a month. If in, like, May he's not hitting, then it's time to, okay, maybe they need to make a change. But for now, you got to give him a, a, a month. To, you know, see how he does at least.
0: Well, the easiest change to make internally would be by that point the Mets would hope Michael Conforto is back in the outfield. If Brandon Nimmo is keeping up what he has shown this spring training, then maybe you could move Jay Bruce to first base. But that's not something that we've seen yet in the spring. Do you know of any plans to put Jay Bruce at first base just to give him a taste of it? So yeah. if it becomes something they want to do during the season, he's at least had a few uh, a few reps over there.
2: Well, he did it last year, so he has it, but. If they put Jay Bruce at at first base, I mean, that's an admitting that everything went wrong. Uh, You know, and that's no disrespect to Jay, obviously, but he's an outfielder. He he shouldn't be playing first base. That's not the position he's comfortable with. You know, the Mets have a young guy and an old guy. They're hoping that can get them through. If they can't get through, uh, they're in a worse spot than they thought. So, you know, it'll be interesting to to, to kind of see how it handles. And also remember, Wilmer Flores can play first base.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and Flores could be one of them. But what if I think Nimmo is kind of the the X factor there? Let's say he leads off and he's getting on base and being a productive member. You, you want to keep his bat in the lineup, then it gets tricky if you have you know Bruce Cespedes and Conforto in the outfield as well. Oh,
2: certainly. Uh, you know, yeah, that so it that, could be a good that, problem. Uh, that, it's a good. It's a very good problem to have. And the one thing with all this, though, always remember is. You know, I remember last year, early in the spring, uh, you know, MET fans were all talking, how, how are we going to handle all these guys with the football fielders? And then half of them were injured within two weeks. Like, these things tend to play themselves out. Like, not saying, like, you can count on an injury or anything, or, or definitely guys can get injury. A lot of times when you have these things with too many guys, you usually end up having too few or, you know, it ends up not being a thing. So, you know, you're going to have to see when Conforto comes back. Are all the guys healthy? How's everybody doing? You know, Nimmo looks great now. I think he's for real, but who knows? He could be hitting 202 mm-hmm. uh, by the time that, that's, uh, you know, uh, Conforto gets back. So, it'll be, you know, these things tend to play themselves out usually.
0: Yeah, But come on, man. It's, uh, it's March 16th. The Mets aren't going to have any days on the DL all season, and this is going to be a big problem in May.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if uh, you know, yeah, can you uh, tell me the lotto numbers for tonight as well? If you know
0: what I'll get them in. I'll uh, I'll text them to you, and you'll be. I would I would appreciate more who's
2: going to win the NCAA tournament games tonight. So like uh, you know, that that would be more helpful.
0: That I can't help you with. That um is beyond my capabilities. But the lotto numbers, I can handle that. Uh, Matt hall oh. to the record. We appreciate the time tonight, Matt. Thank you all right thanks Pete all right nice to uh, chat with Matt uh, who's been down there all spring training covering you know what's happening uh with the Mets so it, it makes an interesting point on Johannes Cespedes that it's not so much the the here and the now but is this something that lingers and becomes problematic over the course of the season with that right wrist remember you know those cortisone injections they don't heal anything they simply mask whatever's going on in there they're you know painkillers essentially so uh, you know an area painkiller. painkillers so um, you know whatever is happening that is causing that soreness it doesn't magically heal with anything except rest which they are giving it right now uh, but that's certainly you know one of those things uh, you, you want to keep an eye on for uh, this Mets team overall. Again, 800-321-0710. The number to get involved, 800-321-0710. College basketball coaches blaming millennials for being knocked out of the NCAA tournament. That's real. That's a real, real thing. And of course, uh, more Mets coverage as well, including, uh, Sandy Alderson on how Matt Harvey and Steven Matz are impressing him this spring. So, uh, a lot to do. We roll till 9 o'clock. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Another college final West Virginia over Murray State, 85 68. Boring. See, Ray, this is where you need the upsets. You need some fun. We want Murray State making a run. Won't be the case. But uh, you will get West Virginia against Marshall. Uh, that's a fun matchup. That'll be big in the the Appalachians. 800 uh, 321 the number to get involved. Uh, so... For the Mets this spring, you know, we we're talking a lot about uh, the pitching and they had a little scare with Jason Vargas, and uh, we'll find out more about his status tomorrow. Uh, Matty Halt just saying the Mets said that uh, the X-ray was negative on his right hand, so that's the big first uh, positive that you hope for, and then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. The Mets do have... Some depth with, uh, you know, Zach Wheeler right now looking like the odd man out as far as the rotation goes. And Wheeler, uh, he's been, the velocity has been fantastic and the results have not quite been. And it seems to be a lot more of the same from Wheeler where, you know, there's an inconsistency with him. Um. Not you know. You test it out over the the next couple of weeks. He'll get a couple more outings here to show what he can do. But Monday will be interesting because Mats is going to get the the start in the regular game for the Mets, and then Wheeler will either start a minor league game or piggyback the start, uh, according to Mickey Calloway. So I think a pretty clear indication of where things stand with those two, and Mats bouncing back these last two starts, uh, putting them in a positive uh, positive situation, and you know I, I think. Skirting a lot of that talk, and we were certainly talking about it. Where, you know, does Matz have, you know, serious issues there where Wheeler, you know, would have the opportunity to leapfrog him? But, uh, you know, yesterday, MLB Network was hanging around Mets camp quite a bit. They caught up with Sandy Alderson and asked him about Matt Harvey and Steven Matz.
3: Well, you know, Harvey is has not been the Harvey of, uh, you know, 2013 or 14 or 15, but uh, has shown real improvement. His velocity is up, his location is much better. Uh, his confidence level is high so uh i think that uh, you know in the role that he will have for us uh, uh probably behind those first two uh he's had a nice spring and we're very uh um, optimistic about him as far as mats is concerned a couple of bad outings early on he's pitched well since um, great stuff and uh just needs good command and uh, to stay on the mound and you know most of his injuries in the past have been uh, or recent past have been Little uh, nicks that have that have unfortunately uh, really affected his pitching, but so far he's healthy, and um, as as all of our starters are currently, including Jacob Degrom, so we're very happy about that.
0: That's a big thing for Matt's, of course, is staying healthy. We talked to him about that last night and he feels great, uh, so far this spring and able to, you know, turn some things around. He's working on, you know, pitching out of the stretch. That was a problem for him last year. It was a problem for him the first two starts of the spring, but, uh, it's certainly been a lot better the last couple of outings for him. And, you know, it's always interesting when you hear anybody, whether it be Sandy, Mickey Calloway, uh, people around the team uh, on a daily basis talk about Matt Harvey. They'll talk about the stuff, but if they're trying to bump him up, it's about the confidence, and that's something Mickey Calloway talked about recently. And you hear Sandy Alderson say that the confidence level is much higher with him. You know, that was a, a a big problem for Harvey last year, and and he won't even talk about it. Doesn't want to you know go over the kind of mess of a season that he had last year. But if the the confidence can stay up, it sounds like it's what the Mets are crossing their fingers on with him. Uh, then you know he could be a serviceable starter. What I worry about is every starter. You know, Degrom's going to get hammered in some game this year. It happens. When it happens to Matt Harvey, how is he going to respond? Is he going to be in the same place that he was last year, where there were times? That the mound looked like the least place that Matt Harvey wanted to be. You'd see the shoulders start to slump and nothing like the domineering presence that he had on the mound in his, you know, top days. Uh, so that's something that Harvey's gonna have to learn to deal with is to deal with failure. And it's why, you know, you don't have to do it publicly, but. I would like to hear him, you know, reckon what happened last year, and you know, be willing to talk about it a little bit and put it behind him, basically, because you don't want to have those same kind of problems and doubts and all that coming back when, uh, you know, there's that day that you're just off and that some team hammers you. It's gonna happen, and you, you don't want to see it spiral uh, on Harvey again like it did uh, last year. For variety of reasons obviously there are physical issues too but uh you keep hearing confidence 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 when it comes to matt harvey george in fresh meadows how are we doing tonight george good good hey i just want to talk about the mets hitting i know you you they touched base on it earlier today with your guest speaker but i i was just
2: talking to a friend and we were comparing mets and yankees and uh, what the yankees have like about of their starting hitters they have most I think they have like six or seven guys that are hitting 280 or higher batting average. If you look at the oh, in Mets, the I think what we
0: No, 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 last year. Oh, last year, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that that lineup's loaded. there it's not worth comparing the Yankees lineup to the Mets.
2: Well, it's just sad because I mean, we only have Conforto who's injured. And Cespedes, I mean, Jay Bruce is 250, uh, Frazier's at
0: 220. But batting average is not the best stat to be going to for this. I think, you know, on base percentage, slugging, they tell you a lot more about what's happening. That's where the Mets have built their team. It's not a batting average team. It hasn't been for years under Sandy Alderson. And and the Yankees, too, they might hit for average as well, but, you know, look at how they get on base. Look at the power they hit with. That's, That's why they're racking up runs. Those are the more telling stats. I wouldn't, if Todd Frazier goes out, And as the season he had last year, hits two twenty again, but does it with, you know, 30 home runs and was he on base at like a three sixty clip or something, that'll play plenty fine for the Mets.
2: My concern is that um, the Mets this year are going to be like they were last year. A lot of home runs.
0: They're similar, yes.
2: With almost nobody on base. No speed. Exactly. They're not going to manufacture one. And if by chance, if by chance... They somehow make it to the wildcard, because I don't think they can beat the Nationals unless something happens with the Nationals. I mean, they need to get hit with injuries. But if they make it to the wild card and somehow get into the playoffs, we're all obviously trying to win in the, in the playoffs. They ha, Can you see them manufacturing runs when in the playoffs
0: you're facing the best pitching? Well, you need somebody people? to go off. In 2015, Daniel Murphy went off. They didn't do it manufacturing runs. Murphy hit seven homers. They did it with the long yeah. ball. So you just need somebody to get hot. <laughs> that's very. That's that's
2: almost like that was like a miracle what
0: happened. It was, it was. But that's that that's what you're looking for when you get to the postseason. The Mets aren't going to manufacture runs. And guess what? There's not a whole lot of teams that are manufacturing runs left and right around baseball. Uh, You could say the Mets' offense is boring at times, and I agree with you. It's not a pleasurable offense to watch. Last year, they weren't terribly effective, and and obviously, you know, missing a lot of time with Cespedes will uh, just kill their chances. A couple of things that you can hope will allow the Mets to be a little more well-rounded than last year. If Brandon Nimmo is able to develop into the leadoff man that this team has not had a, a true leadoff hitter that they haven't had in years and he's not you know Ricky Henderson leadoff guy who's going to steal a bunch of bases but he's athletic he gets on base and if he could do that in front of Conforto and Cespedes that would be a huge plus So I, I think that's something that could change the lineup and the other guy that can change the lineup but I don't expect it but he has the ability is a Ahmed Rosario at shortstop he is someone who can steal bases if he can figure out how to get on enough that you can bump him up in the lineup he has all the talent in the world and that's the kind of player that he's expected to become in the coming years but how much can he do now at a young age he didn't show a whole lot at the plate uh, his first taste of the big leagues last year but he is someone that can add a different dimension to this Mets offense so it's not all home run walk strikeout, flyout, and that's those are the results that you get because that's the way it was last year. And yes, a lot of solo home runs, uh, but they do have a couple of extra athletes I would have liked to see. You know, the Mets prioritize. I thought second base is a spot where they could have gotten more athletic, even if it was Jason Kipnis. Uh, I talked about Josh Harrison left and right if the Mets were able to pull off a deal for him. You can talk about D. Gordon, he wasn't at the top of my list, but I thought second base is the spot where the Mets could become more multidimensional, and instead they went with Todd Frazier at third base and they'll have a Struble Cabrera play second. And Frazier is exactly the kind of player that they've had over the years. Uh, you know, on base, home runs. And not a whole lot of speed. Doesn't do a whole lot else for you offensively. Uh, but uh, Nimmo and Rosario would be my hopes to kind of liven up this offense a little bit in 2018. 800 uh, 321 Imagine being a college basketball coach and blaming millennials for getting bounced from the NCAA tournament. When you're coaching millennials against millennials. Yeah, that happened. We'll tell you about Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York, seven ten W O R. Plus, your next chance to win a thousand dollars coming up at eight oh five, or in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Unbelievable! Now we're here at the wrong time to get the perks of working in an office. You know, like the. The birthday cake that might come out once a month, or you know, you're at work. All, all that happens in the afternoon, uh, you know, lunchtime when we are not yet here. We're here in the evenings. We, we get here on, on a Friday, late Friday afternoon. Sometimes it's a ghost town, right? The summer, summertime, people getting out a little early. Hey, good, good for everybody else. But well, we finally got some treats here now. We we got some some donuts brought up donut delight donuts uh, i believe right some of the best out there you yeah. can't beat it so we got some good donuts and you two I, 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 four seconds boom boom and you leave me with a plain donut i actually think that's a cinnamon one i'm not sure if that's plain i was told it's a plain donut you guys i boston cream is my favorite donut mark immediately jumps all over it you know no no discussion here and you guys, you know, Ray, you went down and got the donuts, so you get first dibs. That's fair. But how does this work? That Mark here just well. Why should you donuts. get first dibs? Oh,
4: well, why it not? Is, it is, He is kind of Pete McCarthy. You know, he's a he's sort of a big thing.
0: I should be, uh, you know, at least offered a donut or you know he offered you donuts. That's a Boston uh, cream is a favorite donut of mine. And if you're just leaving me with a plane, I, I'm a taking that as a donut. shot. Frosted donuts are great. Is it a glazed donut? Glazed. Oh, okay. Well, that's not a plain donut. It's also a donut. powdered donut. Nah. Eh. Not a big powdered donut guy. But uh, a glazed donut will do. I hear plain donut. You can't leave with a plain donut. Okay, I can't speak and look at it at the same time. I don't know what's in that plain do- That glazed donut. Is there anything in it? Plain? All right, so we're, we're dissecting donuts now here on the air. Maybe I'll get two donuts out of this. Yeah, greasy wheel. It's the oil. You know, just because you're the talent doesn't mean you get the donuts first. Why not? You should get some things. Get some donuts. I pushed the
2: buttons. Without me, you wouldn't be on the air.
0: I, I didn't eat a donut for like six months. You guys got all the donuts. and Now, now I'm married. I don't have to watch my weight for anything. Now I'm That's back on board. Why? I think I should be able to make up for some lost time. So you're I'm just, not even pulling rank. I'm just saying I haven't had donuts in months. Rings on. You not worry about the weight anymore? No. <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep that ring on. Gotta fatten up that finger and make sure it doesn't slip off. That's it. It's all over. Every time I go to the gym now, I'm like, why am I here? What am I doing? There's no point to I'm this. I'm sure she loves that, <laughs> that kind of right. attitude. That's the reason I gotta go and keep her going. Once I stop, then she'll stop and that's that's I'm not it. going there. I'm not Well, you wanna you wanna, you know, keep everything keep everything going. Be healthy, power couple, right? <laughs> no? Steven Matz doesn't approve?
4: A slippery slope there, Keith. Alright. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going
0: there. We'll back out of it. My phone will start going off soon, then I'll know I'm in trouble. I'm staying in shape. No donuts on. I'm just doing a bit for the air. Thank God we're on radio. Got two done. No video cast. That's true. (laughs) Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. The number. So millennials get blamed for everything here, and as a card carrying millennial, now I'm on the older end of this scale, so I don't identify with anything. And generally, find the headlines pretty funny. But uh, millennials have killed what? The housing market, coffee or something. What, what, what haven't we killed as a, as a generation? Every industry in the world has been destroyed by, by millennials. Uh, and apparently now, college basketball has been ruined by millennials, according to the head coach of Stephen F. Austin. This is Kyle Keller after his Stephen F. Austin team lost to Texas Tech last night and... <laughs> Blames an entire generation for his
3: team's loss. You know the millennials today. They don't even watch college basketball. They don't. They didn't know. A lot of our guys didn't even know who those cats were because they don't. They don't watch the game. You know they they're on their phone and doing that kind of stuff. I, I hate to say it, but you know as much as you or I or anybody in here watches the games, they don't. And that or the NBA, they might watch the same dunk contest in February on TNT or whatever. Uh, but that's about the extent of it. So two th- two
0: things here. Oh, maybe three. You lost to a team that is also loaded with millennials. You weren't playing the Generation X uh, Texas Tech team with a bunch of 40-year-olds on it. Th- those guys, maybe a little more talented, yes, but they watched the tape. They knew what was happening and were able to take down your team. Also... Blaming the millennials in in this situation and saying that, um, you know, they don't watch it. Isn't that your job as the coach to, you know, prepare your team in some kind of way? You have to be able to reach the next generation. Can't just assume they're all like you. You have to assume that you got to be able to reach them no matter what. You're a coach. It's like being a teacher and saying, well, they're millennials. I can't teach these kids. They got too many other things going on. They're not interested in this. That doesn't matter Nobody's ever been interested in math. Nobody's interested in watching tape as a player when you're in college. There's a million other things you could be doing. you got to find a way to make the guys do it. That's part of coaching. And the third part, which is hilarious, is the NCAA tournament. You are refer- representing a huge tournament that's become so big because of television. Right? You're not just you know, a little Stephen F. Austin coach anymore. You are head coach of a team in the NCAA tournament, which is a monster. And the NCAA, right, they're negotiating with these networks to get paid billions and billions of dollars for these rights. And a guy who spends a ton of time with millennials is now going to tell you, yeah, they don't watch college basketball. <laughs> it's like, you know, baseball managers, and eh, these these guys don't watch the game anymore. They don't like the game. They can't watch. They'd never go. Really, like you actually are around these guys. Not, not, even the guys who are playing college basketball don't watch it in their own time. Play that one back next time. You know that that contract expires and CBS and Turner have to sit at the table. Play that one back. Have some fun with it. That. that is ludicrous. Yeah, you know, I, and I think what's actually happening is, and this is something that maybe if you've ascended to management at some point in your life, you, you might understand. Uh, I haven't really done it, but you get a little bit. But if you are someone who gets promoted and you ascend a little bit, you are driven to do that, right? You don't you often trip and fall and become a manager of uh, you know some people around you. And then once you're in that spot, you think everybody's like you. You, you think people... you know, Kyle Keller was probably the overachiever basketball player. That's what almost all of these head coaches are, right? They're usually not terribly talented players, you know, some exceptions with Ewing and Mullen. But the guys that overachieved, that loved the game, that watched all the tape, that's how you become a head coach. And I think those guys expect everybody else to be like that. And that's just not the way of the world. There are you know, half the kids are probably just there because they get a scholarship and you know, they get an education in something else, or they don't know what the heck else to do except play basketball, or you know, they don't want to put in the same kind of work, they don't have the same ethic work ethic as, as the coach, but you know, that's natural. That's why he separates and becomes a guy who's the head coach. But you gotta be able to, to reach no matter what. You can't just blame the generation. I mean, imagine trying to go recruiting after that. Like uh These millennials don't like college basketball. You're going to go try to bring a talented player to your school. Like, oh, yeah, the guy who ripped all the millennials. He'll be the way way to go. Hey, listen, my generation, we could be blamed for a lot of things. And, you know, stopping on the subway steps because we're staring at Google Maps to figure out where to go. Big thing my generation does. Staring at the phone on the sidewalk and walking two miles an hour, slowing everything down. Yes, very much so. Destroying college basketball.
4: Come on. I think they're doing a fine enough job on their own of uh, finding ways to destroy college basketball. (laughs)
0: Like with these endless, (laughs) endless uh, reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and maybe the FBI investigations and and these coaches, uh, they're, you know. Boomers, Direxers, and there's not any millennials running college right. basketball teams it, right it, now, right? The, 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 <laughs> yeah. Making sure. Let's just, let's just that ignore right. the real problem and like, oh, we'll yeah. make something else. You know? yeah. uh, 800-321-0710, the number again, 800-321-0710. Uh, we'll have Dick Hoops Weiss with us at 835. Look forward to that. Uh, we'll wrap up, you know, Crazy Week NFL free agency as well. Albert Breer will be with us uh, at 805. the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. It's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on
4: 710 WOR.
0: Well, last night, Steven Matz, he doesn't follow college basketball at all, doesn't fill out a bracket, nothing. So he's the perfect person to know exactly who is going to win the NCAA tournament because it's always someone like that that wins your office bracket, right? When he took Michigan State. Look at Michigan State winning 41 33 over Bucknell. Late in the first half. Matt's all over it. He would have killed it if, if he just did the bracket. If he yeah. didn't watch a second all year. He would have been just fine. Yeah. Come on, Steven. you yeah. would have gotten it done. Yeah. All right, let's go to Rob Clifton. What's up, Rob? Hey,
4: Pete. Um,
0: two things. First of
4: all, I want to take millennials off the hook. I find it comical that the narcissistic
3: generation
4: that produced the millennials is now the one that's complaining about them all the time. So I,
3: I blame it on the, the mid-level
4: baby boomers. So it's your own fault.
0: Where are you, um, Rob? Where are you falling this? Are you Gen Xer?
4: Generation X, and I can't stand either group, but I'm screwed. We're <laughs> yeah. the smallest, but um, all joking aside, I'll tell you what I'm worried about. When you're talking about um, losing fans for this sport or that sport, sure. I'm in the midst of coaching Little League Baseball. You, know, you name the sport. I'm doing it right now with little kids. The drop-off in baseball is so alarming. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking for me. And I'll tell you, if I'm Major League Baseball, I wonder, they must have people looking at this, but their demographics are going to get real bad in the next 20 years as the baby boomers die off because there's not enough Generation Xers to, uh, you know, to keep up the interest in the sport. And what I'm seeing at the low levels, the kid levels now, the specialization, the hyper-specialization of sports is, it's outrageously bad for the children, but it's really bad for pro sports because you have kids that play hockey 10 months a year. You have kids that play, you know, what did you name the sport? They're doing it to the exclusion of everything else.
0: And they burn out. So
4: what So what if two things happen? Either they burn out, which is the vast majority, or they become the stud varsity players and go on to, you know, some of them go on to college. But I'll tell you, I play, I, I, I know it's about pro sports, but just in the softball leagues alone, they should be populated with, Tons and tons of 20-something-year-old teams, and they're not. It's all 30- and 40-something-year-old guys. Because the 20-somethings, the only guys playing at that level are the guys who play varsity or college. That's it.
0: Yeah, no, you raise great points, Rob. And, and Major League Baseball is, is aware of this as anybody. Uh, you know, the the median age, I believe that's never not average. I believe the median age of a baseball fan is in the upper 50s. It's like 58 years old. Meanwhile, basketball is the upper 30s. A dramatic difference. And the the biggest connection or big connection that they see is that people who play baseball, they become baseball fans. If you don't play baseball as a kid, you're not nearly as likely to become a fan as an adult. You don't appreciate the game in that way. So that's, uh, you know, huge concerns. And this has been happening for years, and Major League Baseball has done some things to try to turn it around, but it hasn't worked yet.
4: I would say if I were going to invest in a pro franchise, even though I'm anti-soccer, I'd put all my money into soccer because, I'll tell you, if it was, I'm not kidding. If it wasn't for the Latin population in the metro New York area, as far as playing the game, the, the the it would be even much more dire than what I have described at the kids level.
0: Well, it, it's uh, why it a, basketball is growing in the way it is. Thanks for the call, Rob. Uh, basketball basketball is starting to become maybe not the national sport because football is so you know far beyond everybody else. But basketball is number two, and, and maybe not in this town as far as you know sports talk goes. Of course, I mean, we love talking baseball, but it's not something that. Um, you know, registers as much with not every younger person, but not nearly as, as many younger people as it, it did before. And that's why, you know, it's important for baseball to get the pace of play right. And it's not about how long the game is. It's about getting rid of those gaps where nothing freaking happens for five minutes at a time. That's what you have to find out how to take out of the game. And that's what they got to get done. Uh, we'll come back. Albert Breer, senior NFL Reporter uh, for the MMQB on NFL Free Agency. Some winners, some losers, what the Jets and Giants got done.